Hello and welcome to 7-Minute Explainers, your audio guide to everything you need to know about compelling and complex topics. Today, the Week.com contributor, Erica Okrent, picks apart a stubbornly false history lesson. There's a romanticized immigrant story out there that suggests your family name or spelling came from a mistake at Ellis Island, and I'm here to tell you that it did nothing of the sort. It's a common myth, and one that even exists in my old family. As the story goes, when my great-grandfather, Yuroslav Hieronymus Okagan von der Schulewitzburg, arrived at Ellis Island in 1909, he didn't speak much English. He was 17 and hoping to make his fortune quickly and bring the rest of his family over from the old country. He knew he would be asked a number of questions at arrival about his occupation, health status, and living arrangements, and he was prepared. As he approached the immigration officer, the first American he had ever met, the answers tumbled out in a nervous jumble. Work factory, no cough cough, tooth's very good, go to Chicago, buy house, big house. The officer shook his head, laughed, and just asked for his name. Thinking the officer was mocking his presumptuous housing plan, he replied, Okay, okay, rent. And that is how we became the Okrent family. It's quaint, but the story is not true. Most stories of this kind are not true. When immigrants came through Ellis Island, inspectors did ask for their names, but only to check them against the ship's manifest. No names were changed at Ellis Island because no names were recorded at Ellis Island. It is also highly unlikely that such comically inept communication would have ever taken place at Ellis Island in the first place. The immigrant inspectors actually spoke an average of three languages, and they were assigned to groups that spoke those languages. So even if you didn't know a lick of English, the chances were pretty good that there was someone who spoke your language. Ellis Island also employed full-time interpreters. Temporary interpreters would be brought in for more obscure languages. So if your family name didn't come from Ellis Island, where did it come from? How did Jensen become Johnson, Königsberger become Kingsley, and Mladzianowski become Murphy? In some cases, names were entered incorrectly on the passenger list when travelers bought their tickets abroad. For example, a Portuguese passenger named T-E-I-X-E-I-R-A, Teixeira, leaving from a French port, might have been entered as T-E-C-H-E-R-A, Teixeira. In fact, those much-maligned immigration inspectors at Ellis Island were often the ones to correct a misspelled name in the manifest. In other cases, name changes happened once immigrants arrived in the New World. Neighbors, bosses, co-workers, teachers who couldn't pronounce an immigrant's name simplified it to their liking. And often, the immigrants adopted those alternate names when they submitted their applications for naturalization. Though the idea for the new name might have come from someone else, the name did not become official unless the immigrant chose to make it official when becoming a citizen. The name you used when you applied for your naturalization papers did not have to match the manifest at Ellis Island. Names were adjusted, sometimes slightly in order to fit new surroundings, and sometimes drastically in order to fit new identities. My name, which was O-K-R-E-T in the old country, was changed to O-K-R-E-N-T to get as close as possible to the intended pronunciation. Official name changes did not come about through haphazard errors, but because immigrants deliberately chose them. 
chalk it up to the urge to assimilate, the drive for self-reinvention, or the excitement of using a freedom they hadn't had before. But don't blame it on the hard-working, multilingual clerks at Ellis Island. And that does it for this episode of 7-Minute Explainers. Look out for new episodes every Thursday on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. You can read more about this story by going to theweek.com slash podcasts, where you'll also find our 7-Minute Opinions and This Week I Learn podcasts. And as a thank you for listening to this episode, we'd like to offer you four risk-free issues of The Week magazine. To get started, visit theweek.com slash for free. Happy listening. Happy listening.